Mind Body And soul Be a better you The Edge of the Mind Podcast For mental health and physical well-being We are back with episode two of Edge of the Mind podcast. This is a podcast for mental health and physical well-being. Uh, the reason for this podcast is to motivate, inspire, and support each other in our uh, journeys and struggles with mental health and um, physical well-being. Um, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to our first episode where we discussed uh, living in a pandemic and the effects that has on everyone mentally. And also I shared my experience with COVID uh, when I had COVID. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Also, um, if you're new to, to me in general, I'm Dan O'Mac. Uh, I also have two other podcasts under the PWE umbrella. I have Pro Wrestling Edge and I have Talking Sports. Um, you can find information for those podcasts at PWE pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, And also at our website at pwepod.com, where you can find all the episodes. You can find information about the hosts of those two shows and a link to our merchandise store at Brainbuster Tees. If you haven't yet go on Facebook and join the edge of the mind podcast, Facebook group page, that is an open group. It's not private. You don't need to have an invite to join. It's just a place where we're going to motivate each other. We're going to inspire each other and we're going to support each other in, in our journeys with, uh, with our mental health and our physical well-being. Um, also, I am on Instagram at edge of the mind pod. Uh, follow us there as well. Um, this is, like I said, episode two. This is my first interview of edge of the mind and joining me is professional wrestler Gavin, Gavin Alexander. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm here, Dan O'Mac. It's been a day. I'm telling you. Well, I I'm, I'm excited for you to join me and I want to thank you for coming on and wanting to share your, your uh, story with us. Um, you, how you came about my podcast was you were actually recently a guest on Schwartz's uh, wake and bake. Uh, I don't want to call that a podcast. It's more of a morning show because he streams it. He doesn't put out an audio version of it. So I really don't want to call it a podcast, but I guess that's kind of what it's kind of known as to people. But you it's were on there and you were talking podcast. about your, yeah, you, you were talking about your merchandise game um, and, and how you've elevated that. So he, uh, he talked about this podcast coming up and you reached out to me and said you would like to come on and tell a story. So before we get into your mental health journey, just give our listeners a, a little idea of who Gavin Alexander is. I'm an independent pro wrestler of <laughs> in May, 20 years, 20 years. I've been doing this um, father, soon to be husband, straight up just blue collar worker from the Midwest, just trying to grind and make it. Gotcha. And like I said, you reached out to me and you said that you, you really um, was interested in what I was wanting to do. And again, I've said this before on the first episode, I want this to focus on 
real stories from real everyday people. I, I I'm not wanting, you know, professionals coming on to give the professional opinions. I want our listeners to be able to connect with my guests that come on this show. So when you reached out to me and you said you wanted to talk a little about, about your mental health journey and everybody's mental health journey is different. Everyone's journey is oh, yeah. unique and there's no carbon copies of each other. So the reason why I, I, I wanted to get you on specifically is you have a unique story and someone um, may relate to your story. And if your journey can motivate or inspire anyone. That's why I'm here is, is to give you that platform. So if you could talk a little bit about on when you realized that there was um, that you were struggling and uh, just just take back to the moment that you actually realized that there was a struggle for you. Back when I realized there was a legitimate struggle with me, probably close to 18 years ago when we put my father in the ground. I, I knew there was problems before then. I had been going through hell through school. I would sink into my room, lock myself away for days at a time. You know, I'd go to school, put on this mask, mask being a nice, happy person. Um, but when you would look at the rest of the people, you're like, no, there's something different about me. You know, I don't feel the way they feel. I don't like what people like, you know, I'm different. And we put my dad in the ground and that's when I knew that I had issues because things start triggering me a lot easier. I, I would get angrier. I would get more depressed. Um, there had been times in my life I tried to end my life. And then it's just been a constant battle. I find out that uh, I've got severe manic depression with suicidal ideations, uh, intermediate explosive disorder, which I've learned to calm that down immensely over the years. I mean, it's a battle. I mean, I'm on two different kinds of uh, anxiety and depression medicine, which I hate taking those because it makes you feel like a zombie. Okay. So take us back a little bit to when you said you were in school and you would just kind of lock yourself in your room away from everyone. Um, how, when everyone, like you said, you just knew that something was different about you when, when you would see all your classmates and that going out, going to sporting events and, and working and whatnot. And all you wanted to do was do yourself. You wanted to go in your room and just kind of stay away from everyone what were the thoughts on why did you question yourself on why you didn't want to go out and, and do the things that other people were doing? Or was it just that you were just going to be in your room and not experiencing uh, things that the other, uh, you know, your classmates and stuff were experiencing? I would go out and I would try, you know, like I, I did play sports in school. I played football. I played uh, basketball and baseball. Um, I didn't enjoy, I, I, I didn't like, you know, all the people I, I found out later in my life that I've got a severe social anxiety, which is really weird being an independent wrestler. 
It really is. I mean, but then you find that one safe space that you could go to when you have social anxiety. And for me, it is wrestling. I mean, wrestling saved my life, to be honest. Yeah. I want to get into that a little bit in depth here, here shortly, but, but you said that you've been diagnosed with, uh, uh, what were they again? Um, manic depression with suicidal ideations and intermediate explosive disorder. Can you speak on those a little bit and what they are? Manic depression. I mean, there's times to where I am so depressed that I won't leave my bedroom for days. Like I'll go to work and I'll come home and instead of, you know, sitting in the front room watching TV with everyone, I go straight to my room. Um, suicidal ideations, like if something majorly fucked up in my life, pardon my language, but oh, I'm very you can, this is real. You can say what you, uh, you know, what you want. Um, when something really fucked up happens, like I didn't care if I lived or died, you know, like I've been divorced and I found out since the day after our wedding, her and I, you know, I thought we were good and she was out cheating on me on a constant basis. And when I found that out and the marriage was over, I went to some friends and I was like, look, can you watch my son? I'm going to leave. And they were like, what do you mean? And it was a nine millimeter involved. I, I was going to go and drive off to the country and just go blow my brains out and not give a, not give a fuck. You know, I mean, I started drinking really bad. I was back on drugs. You know, I didn't care about life. I mean, now I got a wonderful woman in my life and she fights these battles with me. Like when there's days I don't want to move, she'll, she'll get under my skin. She'll, yeah, I love her to death, but yeah, she'll piss me off just to get me up and going, you know? She'll she'll sit there and be like, well, you're going to just roll over and play dead like everyone wants you to. And then, see, I will go against the system and people want me to do something. I'm going to do the opposite. You know, I guess that's like an opposition to find disorder an ODD. Um, I. Got the intermediate explosive disorder the day we put my dad in the ground. Um. He was military, so it was the rough funeral. Like, you hear the trumpet, the 21-gun salute, and everyone's like, oh, well, you just hear three shots. No. For someone like me, I heard every single gunshot, and it rings through your head. And we were at the wake, you know, or not the wake, but the dinner we had for my dad afterwards, and someone said something really slick about my dad, and I snapped. I mean, I jumped up, grabbed a person by their shirt, and I put him against the table. I was like, you ever speak ill of my father again, and I'm going to make sure you're laid next to him. And then my cousin grabbed me up and was like, hey, let's go. Something ain't right here, but let's go. And we went, and I went to the hospital because I just, my dad was my hero. He was my best friend. Yeah, him and I fought, but he taught me what it was like to be a man. You know, I was adopted. My parents didn't even have to take me in. 
And when I found out that I had intermediate explosive disorder, I was like, God, I got to figure a way to curb this and curb it quick or my life's going to be hell. And for a few years, I didn't know how to curb it. I was lashing out at people. Uh, A year later, my mom dies. And that just, I was like, fuck it. You know, both my parents are gone in a year's time. I didn't give a fuck. And I mean, it it was destroying my wrestling. It it was really destroying me as a human. Relationships, friendships, everything. So before you, when your father passed, before you went to find out diagnosis and stuff, you said that you just kind of coped with things with drugs and alcohol. That was your release. That was your way from the problems. Is that is was that accurate? Yeah, that was the way I was trying to cope with things. I was like, well, if I can't feel, then I don't know. You know, it was it was to the point that I just like didn't care. I, I my wrestling, I I just got into the business. I actually found out my dad died while I was sitting in gorilla position. Oh, okay. Right before a match. And the guy who I was wrestling the night, that night, him and I actually had legitimate heat. Like, he put his hands on the chick I was with at the time. So I was already in a foul mood. And then I get a, my cousin runs right into Gorilla and goes, where's he at? Where's Gavin? Where's Gavin? I'm like, I'm right here. And he goes, hey, I just got to let you know, dad died. And I lost it. Like my entrance music played three times all the way through before I could even cope with going in there. And then I snapped during the match because dude said something slick about my dad and spit in my face. And I just, I blacked out. So for our listeners that aren't sports or aren't wrestling fans, he said that him and his opponent had legitimate heat. That means that they they legitimately had arguments, disagreements, did not like each other. Something happened between the two of them where they were not on good terms. So going into this match, it was more than just the wrestling aspect. They truly had disagreements and maybe not a hatred is a strong word, but a, a dislike oh, for no, each other. There was a hatred. There was a hatred because one thing my dad always taught me is you do not, as a man, lay your hand on a woman. And he actually grabbed the girl I was with at the time and threw her against the wall. I was like, nope, that that's strike one with you. And he goes, oh, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm the golden boy here. I was like, yeah, well, you're about to get tarnished really quick. I'm about to fuck you up. And I mean, at one point they had, they actually had the promoter run out in the middle of the match because they thought I was going to beat this dude to death. And that's when we started learning that there was something ticking inside of me that wasn't right. So you didn't even have time to start coping with your dad's death. And then you said a year later, your mom passed. So as you continued on with, with trying to, gather your thoughts around your dad's death obviously your mom passes and now you've lost them both. how how did that continue to affect you outside of the ring 
I was miserable. I, I was a miserable individual. You know, I'd go to work. I'd have a shit attitude at work. I, I would. I, I didn't even try to live in my own place. I was hopping from couch to couch, living a very nomadic life. I, I was destroyed. I was a very destroyed individual because I mean, I knew from a young age my parents adopted me, so. They didn't even have to choose me, but they chose me. You know, they chose to bring me home. And for people who literally gave me everything, tried to make life so good for me, for me to feel like I got ripped off in life. I felt like I was completely ripped off. Cheated. Cheated is a big word I use when it comes to my time with my parents. I was only in my 20s when they passed. So I feel like I was cheated in my family. A lot of resentment towards my brother and my sisters and, you know, all the family members that got to spend more time with them than I did. And I mean, yeah, I was adopted by my grandparents. I'll put that out there now. So my real mom was a really big, and still is a big hatred with me. I do not forgive her for the shit she's done. I've tried, and every time I've tried, she'll do something more. And it's a never-ending cycle, gaslighting and manipulation and verbal and mental abuse with her. It's like she enjoys that shit. And for me to try to be a healthier human, I had to cut her out of my life. And there's more that I've learned lately that I'm going to have to cut out my life. So you, you've struggled, like you said, you, you, you had two people who chose, chose to be your parents and then that was cut short. So you had these resentments and that you didn't get the time that you needed. You felt cheated and all that. Let's go back a little bit on how you fell in love with wrestling, because I know wrestling has been the key to your journey and dealing with your struggles. Let's go back to when you first found wrestling as, as just finding wrestling before you even got into the business. I found wrestling back when I was two years old. I, my dad was watching some old school WCCW back from the, you know, the Sportatorium down in Texas. Chris Von Erich. Yep, the Von Erichs, the Freebirds, Joe and Chris Adams, Eric Embry, uh, Chaz, all of them, you know. I remember one match, and it was a match where these two guys, it was um, X-Pac, Back when he was young, young, like a baby, baby. And Chaz, now Chaz ended up being come one of the headbangers. And they were fighting in this, like, crane. And to win the match, you had to throw your opponent out, and they were on a bungee cord. And I remember that match, and I was like, what in the hell is this? And then I seen a guy get launched out. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you know then watching the Freebirds the, I fucking loved the Freebirds Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Buddy Lee Roberts love their pageantry I mean they're the first 
group that ever came out to rock music for their entrance. And Bad Street was that song back in the day. And then I watched WWF, WCW, NWA, fell in love with the NWA because the Crockett Cup, I'm, I love tag wrestling. Tag team wrestling to me is a lost art. And that's why me and my partner are trying to bring it back. So wrestling's always been your escape. Wrestling's always been a part of your life. And yet, when did you decide that, you know, I'm going to do this? When did you start training? When did you get your way into the business? I decided I was going to become a wrestler as a kid. Like that, that was the end goal for me. I, I was going to become a wrestler, even if it killed me, which we'll get into that later. Um, I started training. Me and we all started somewhere. So my dumbass started in the backyard. And then we found a commercial for a wrestling company out of Springfield, Illinois, which half hour away. So we went and checked out one of their shows. Well, it was a damn good show. So me and some of the boys started training there. I ended up, you know, family issues, drugs. You know, I, I was getting screwed up. Uh, I was screwed up and I ended up getting put in drug and alcohol rehab. You know, came out of that. You know, tried to make my amends with that company. That company shunned me like like I had the plague. Whatever, you know, no hard feelings. I knew I fucked up. Then I found another company. I was working at a radio station at the time. Uh, I actually was working on Spring in Springfield, Illinois, uh, most popular radio station. I was part of their morning show. Then I was like, okay. I'm in hot, I think it was hot topic I was in at the time, just checking out band shirts, you know, just checking, see what they had. I'm a big Misfits fan, so I was looking for some Misfits t-shirts. And this one guy was hanging up flyers for a wrestling show. I was like, wait, there's another wrestling company here in town? Why, why do I not know of this? And he was like, hey, brother, we're checking out, you know, looking for new wrestlers. Why don't you come down to the gym and, you know, See if you'd like to do this. Well, I went to the gym, you know, started talking to a couple of the bookers, a couple of the boys, you know, got a feel for it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's do this. You know, this is something I've wanted ever since I was two years old. And started training and then went to another company and trained a little bit and then ended up at the school smothers years later, you know here in Illinois, and Tracy was a very big influence on me. So that was my training journey, of course, working multiple shows. Like, I've been booked every weekend this year so far. Nice. Um, it's been a great escape. It, it helps me, like, because if I can take myself and my character and pull the crowd out of their lives for the 15, 20, half hour, whatever long I'm out there. And I done my job. 
I helped them escape their life. So I did my job. And being someone with the issues I have, I know what it needs to have an escape. So not only is wrestling an escape for you and, and, and it's been your saving grace, but you're also returning that favor by motivating, inspiring, and supporting people that you might not know what they're going through and you're getting reactions from them. They're enjoying the show. So does that play into it too, that you feel like you leave every, every weekend on all your shows and that you've, you may have helped one person like just get away from the crap that they're going through as well. Yeah. I was actually at a show down in Tennessee a couple of years back. And of course I play a bad guy. I, I, because me, to me, being the heel is very cathartic for me. I can let loose with all the hate inside of me. Well, after the show, I found out that one guy was dealing with a divorce. And he was a wrestler. And he goes, how do you channel all that hate? And I was like, think about it. Instead of going out and killing someone or killing yourself or drinking yourself to where you black out and don't know where you're at, you channel it. You channel it and you be the best heel you can be. And he next next show I watched the live stream and he had amped up his heel game a hundredfold and I was like, that's more like it. That's what I like to see. And again, for our non-wrestling listeners, heel is the bad guy. Heel is the guy that is out there to get you mad, to get you yelling, to to hurt or to do what they can to make the the fan favorite look bad. Um, so when did that change for you to where you it kind of clicked for you that, you know, I could take all this hate and frustration and struggles that I have and put it into my character and put it into into the wrestling. When did that happen for you? I'd say it happened a few years after my parents passed. It happened after my divorce, actually. Like, I was starting to feel really, I wouldn't say sheltered, more caged down by everything. I felt like I was locked in a cage, like mentally and emotionally. I wasn't good, you know, even the people who loved me wasn't talking to me because I alienated everybody. I told everyone, just leave me the fuck alone. I don't need you in my life. You know, go fuck yourself. I, I was saying everything I could to keep people who said they loved me away from me. And then one day I was at a show I was working, of course, happened to be the bad guy, but it wasn't clicking like anything I did. It was just like, I, I felt like I was phoning it in. Uh, Tracy happened to be at that show. Tracy pulled me aside and he, we talked, you know, I explained everything, what happened, what had been going on. And he goes, son, let me tell you something. Channel that. Take that and create so that's where the whole slaughterville nightmare thing came from because the that's a state of mind that's not you know people was like oh well where's slaughterville at 
Slaughterville is not a place to where you can go unless you delve through the hell I've been through. You know, and I've been through hell since I was a little kid. You know, I was, <sighs> this is where the hard part comes in. Share only what you can share. I'll, being two years old and getting molested by your sister's father and burnt with cigars. I mean, I used to be a good little Christian boy. I never thought tattoos would be a thing. Well, when you start seeing scars on your body and start asking where they come from, and you have to have your parents tell you what happened to you, tattoos became a way of life. I changed my appearance all the time. Like, this is the first time I've ever had short hair since I was like <laughs> 10 years old. I used to usually have my hair spiky, multicolored, you know, sometimes a full beard, sometimes just a goatee, you know. I evolved my look just depending which rabbit hole I've dove down that day. And then after that, then, you know, getting in a car wreck where it should have killed me. It, it should have. I, all I was doing was coming home so I can be with my son. I left a wrestling show. Had a pretty bad concussion that night. I uh, was driving, and I ended up flipping my car. I was trying to make it back to Illinois, you know, trying to get to the first rest stop I seen. Start speeding. Next thing you know, I wake up, and I'm in a hospital bed, and it should have killed me. So I got the Reaper tattooed behind my ear. There's finding out that the woman you marry was sleeping with, sleeping around on you after the first day of marriage, you know, that, that will fuck with you, make you wonder why, you know, am I not good enough? Was there something wrong with me? Having uh, people claim to be your best friend and use you for all the money they can. And then when they feel like they can't use you no more, they drop you like a bad habit. And this one was supposed to be a good brother, brother. And nah, no nah, lies to see pay for things and never receive them. That shit will fuck with you bad see your kid get manipulated by that same person and you're just like fuck it done with that person yeah there's times where you have to make that decision like you said to get that negativity out of your life and one of the things i talk about people with is is when you're looking to move forward and you're looking to work on that journey any negativity around you there comes a point where you have, like you said, you have to remove it for your journey to continue because at that point you're, uh, you're at a crossroads. Do you continue to let the negativity uh, consume you or did you rid yourself of the negativity and keep moving forward? Yeah. And let's get into, you spoke about being a tag team wrestler and yes. violent society, violent society. Yes, yes, the Violent Society, uh, myself and Robbie McCann. When did the tag team come about? I know you're a big fan of tag team. I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling. I've been a wrestling fan, just so you know, 
a similar story to you my entire life. Uh, same thing, the WCCW when I was real young. I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 80. Uh, in NWA, WCW, I was a WCW kid over a WWF kid. So you can kind of understand that. Yeah, you can kind of understand the, the wrestling that I grew up on. Uh, different from the entertainment style that we're seeing today on television. Why my pot, my wrestling podcast, we focus just on independent wrestling because it's the closest thing that we're getting to what I grew up and loved. Um, so Thank speak to God, us. Because <laughs> I can't stand the product nowadays. I, you know, when we first started this podcast, we started uh, Pro Wrestling Edge, which is the wrestling podcast in 2019. And which, then we got in the. Way, which, by the way, Pro Wrestling Edge is a sponsor of Schwartz's Wake and Bake. Yeah, we uh, we have a very good relationship with Schwartzy. Schwartzy is in our corner on everything that we've done, and we've been in his corner. Um, so, Sorry, there was, I had to bug him real oh, quick. Hey, I love Schwartzy. We actually interviewed him last night for this week's episode of Pro Wrestling Edge because of the Flophouse show. Um, so we did have him on him and Randy on, but, um, love them both. I love them both. Yeah. So the only time we were talking about the television stuff was during the pandemic when the indie, uh, promotions weren't running. That was the only time that we've talked about WWE and AEW and ring of honor and NWA. stuff like that, uh, this version of NWA on our podcast, because there was no independent wrestling to talk about. Um, but when did the, the tag team come about? Um, you, you said you've always been a tag team guy from the Freebirds, but when did that tag team come about and you decided to go the route with the tag team wrestling? Well, Robbie and I have teamed off on and off over the years. Like, they'd be like, Gavin, you and Robbie, team tonight, go do some work. Well, we got to one company, and Robbie and I were facing each other all the time. They really didn't have anything for us, but yet Robbie and I made it work. And we did three series of matches, uh, the last one being a two-out, three falls. Tore it up, completely tore the roof off the place. Matter of fact, we finished it with a Russian leg sweep off the second rope. Oh, nice. Yeah. I bounced my head off of that son of a bitch like a basketball. <laughs> it was beautiful. Um get to the locker room, you know, everyone's applauding everything. Here comes Tracy. Y'all beat the shit out of each other, man. What the hell y'all do? Who fucked whose wife and who owes who money? And I'm sitting there laughing. So is Robbie. And he looks at us and goes, you two are going to be a tag team. You two are going to do this. And that was back in 18, I believe, 18, anywhere between 18 and 20. Well, we started doing it like uh, the bar, like Seamus and Cesaro. We were not, you know, clicking it at first. But then we started seeing each other's mindset. I see what Robbie was going with. Robbie seen where my head was, and we made it click. And we've been running hard as a team since. Matter of fact, uh, Saturday we had a triple threat, no rules, tag team title match over in Jeffersonville, Indiana. 
that's why my nose is purple because I had a door broke over my head and it broke my nose. Um, but Robbie and I, we we make it work. And the whole violence society thing, that is more of a commentary on our society nowadays. Because you can't go anywhere without seeing violence. I mean, you can't walk down the street without seeing a drug dealer smack some trick in the mouth over a bag of meth. You can't go to a school without seeing a teacher snatch a student up and start whipping their ass, corporal punishment style. And some people, unfortunately, can't go home and not see their dad down a bottle of gin and beat their mom because dinner wasn't done on time. So the whole violent society thing isn't a gimmick. It's what we see in our society. And we're trying to tell you and show you the truth on what our society really is. So going for 2022, what's the goals for Gallon Alexander and your tag team? We just want to break. You know, we, we, we have been grinding so hard. I mean, as I said, as of May, I'll be doing this shit 20 years. Robbie's right behind me with 17. And it's like, give us one major tag team. Give us one shot at a big stage. And let us show you that, hey, we're not comfortable punk-ass kids from the Midwest that didn't amount to shit. You know, I'm a 330-pound man, and most people are thinking, oh, he's going to do nothing but big man shit. But yeah, I can wrestle, you know, like actually grapple and break it down with people. Robbie is one of the most technically surgical guys I've ever met. And he's he's fun to hit the road with. I mean, me and, me and Robbie, we'll hit the road. We'll shoot shit for hours just talking shit, you know? And... It's fun. And then, of course, my fiance. My fiance has been my saving grace through a lot of shit. I mean, I just worked at my shoot job, my real job. Wrestling's a job, but this one's the you one. Have another break. job to pay the bills. Yes. Um, I just worked a very extensive schedule and I was mentally burnt, just so drained. Felt like nothing was falling into place. And she just grabs me, hugs me, and goes, look, I love you. Things are going to happen. And, well, I'm trying to make them happen. Sometimes I stay awake at night and I can't sleep. And I'm constantly thinking, okay, what can I do merchandise-wise? What can I do gear-wise? What can I do this? What can I do? You know, trying to spread myself so thin. But then she's like that wall around the jelly, you know, that melted gelatin, and she's trying to keep it all together. So you mentioned you guys want to break just a big name. What's a dream match or two that you would like to have? A dream match for myself and Robbie McCann? The Briscoes. Okay. The Briscoe brothers. Um, that was the team that was in my head when <laughs> you were talking there was be the Briscoes. The Briscoes, um, the Rock and Roll Express. They're on their farewell tour. I would love for me and Robbie to snatch them up one time. Um, 
I would like to get a shot at Schwartzy and Randy. We both know a guy that uh yeah. that <laughs> it's not like we don't know somebody. <laughs> wink, wink, Schwartzy. So I'm gonna wrap the whole wrestling up, but just what are your goals outside of wrestling? And when I say the goals is is where your your struggles and your journey on your mental health. Where are you looking to go? Where are you what are you looking to do going forward with those struggles with that journey you have? I want to let everyone know whether it's in wrestling, in life, whatever. Sometimes it's okay not to be okay. You don't have to hold yourself to this stigma that if you have mental health issues, that you're a bad person because it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. I want people to feel more comfortable in their skin reaching out. I want people like, if you're at that very last edge and you're walking that fine line, you don't know whether you're wanting to wake up tomorrow or not, reach out to somebody, you know? Life is not worth losing your life over. Life can be beautiful. It really can. I mean, it took 20 years and finally getting with someone to make me realize that life can be beautiful. I mean, yeah, she puts up with my shit, something terrible. And there's days I'm a fucking bastard to deal with. Like, I'll wake up and look at everyone and be like, nope, just get the fuck away from me. She won't. She won't leave my side. She'll be like, nope, I'm going to be a thorn in your ass. As you hear her laughing. Yeah, we hear her laugh. So I just want to say what your goals are outside of wrestling in life is, is exactly my goal of this podcast is to have real life, everyday people telling real life stories to help motivate, to help inspire and support others. You have told a story that you've been through so much from an early age, from from feeling like nobody wanted you to the the trauma that happened to you from family members when you were just two years old, to losing your parents who chose you as theirs, to having this terrible run with 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 an, an ex wife and and going to drugs and alcohol and finding wrestling and wrestling being your saving grace, your, your reason for being able to channel all that negativity. And the fact that, and I posted in, in the group on Facebook, nobody said every day is going to be easy. It's trying to keep moving forward. There's going to be days where you're knocked down. There's going to be days where you're doing good. You have come with all the adversity in your life that you've told here tonight. You have come to a point you are a successful independent wrestler. You just talked on Schwartz's podcast or show on how you are building and being a businessman with your merch and all that. And you found the ability to love someone after everything that you've been through. So if nothing else comes out of this podcast of, of your wrestling journey or anything, it, it's how you've come from 
so down and out and feeling like you wanted to end your life to, to where you're at now, a successful businessman, having goals inside of wrestling, the, the, the job, the business that you love to having goals to help inspire others outside of of your business in real life and the ability to love again after you've been put through so much hurt and pain. I, I, I appreciate you for coming on and sharing your story. And like I said, this was inspirational. And I hope that one person listens to this can hear how, everything that you've went through and say, you know what, my life has been that bad too. And look where Gavin's at. Yes, he struggles, but he's in a positive direction. He's keeping himself moving forward, even on the days that he doesn't want to. He still moves forward. There's a speech from one of the Rocky movies where Rocky's talking to his son, talking about it doesn't matter how hard you get hit. It's if you can get up and keep moving forward after getting hit. I listened to that speech. It's actually on my Facebook page. I listened to that speech when I'm feeling at my lowest. And I realized life's trying to hit you. Life's going to hit you in the face so hard you're going to think, what the fuck? And then I look at it and I'm like, well, I got people to prove wrong. I got things to prove wrong. So I sink my teeth in a little bit harder. I grip a little bit tighter and I keep going. And I mean, there's days, you're right. There are days I don't want to get the fuck up and do shit. I'm not going to let that day come. I'm 42 years old. I'll be 43 in May. I've got a lot left to give and I'm going to give it until the wheels fall off. Again, I appreciate you for sharing your story. And again, the goal of this is for someone to be motivated, someone to be inspired, and somebody knows that there's support out there uh, to help you with your journey. Again, Gavin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And I, I, I really look forward to and wink, wink, uh, <clears throat> Schwartzy. Um, there might be a, a, a nice little tag team match that could be put together in the near future. <laughs> Hey, if not a tag match, there's one match I need to have this year, and it's a triple threat match with the cutter of Carver's Alley and Mad Dog Connolly. That would be a good one as well, and, oh, and we both know be, a guy. <laughs> yeah, we know a guy. Actually, I know quite a few guys. I'm just trying to find the right avenue to go. I'm never going to use my friendship with Schwartzy to get into Flophouse. That's... That's not it. If he wants me there, he wants me there. If not, I understand. It's not the direction he wants to go. Yeah, it's all it's all fun and joking and stuff. But yeah, there's definitely yeah. you definitely have goals inside of your uh, professional business as well as outside of the business. And again, thank you, Gavin, for sharing your story and 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 let's continue to motivate people, inspire them, and uh, and and support them in their struggle and their journeys. Just thank remember, so everyone. Remember, it is okay not to be okay. But if you ever feel like you're so far down that you're never going to be okay, reach out to someone. Reach. Reach. It's okay to ask for help. Well, on that, I'm going to leave it. Thank you again. I appreciate you coming on here. And let's, uh, and let's do this again down the road. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me an outlet to reach people and try to help. I appreciate you as well. Thank you. Thank you.
Are you struggling? Need to talk to someone? Reach out to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255.